There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Janelle Desrosiers. Janelle is a midshift and Franco-Manitoban two-spirit artist and entrepreneur. She's the founder of Bloom and Brilliance, a queer, feminist, and indigenous-led branding and web design studio. She's founder of the Creative Catalyst Coaching Program and co-creator of Wum Owned Enterprises for Feminist Entrepreneurs. A born entrepreneur and naturally creative, she helps feminist business owners, community leaders, and organizations focus on growth and impact with strategy, branding, and website design. Janelle brings an intuitive, collaborative, and passionate touch to brand and web design services. Her in-depth approach reflects her values of relationship building, community spirit, and positive impact. Along with more than 18 years in visual and new media, Janelle's extensive project management experience includes design, restructuring, and adaptation for various levels of the private and public sectors. Janelle has worked with a diverse client base, including local, national, international institutions, and corporate, nonprofit, government, and Indigenous organizations. She's long been a supporter of progressive movements and social justice. Janelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're delighted to have you here. Where are we finding you today? I am calling in from Treaty 1 Territory, also known as Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. The way we generally start off on the Start of Canada podcast is we want to tease our listeners with an example of the incredible insight and wisdom they're going to gain from this conversation. So is there one piece of advice that we could share with our listeners now to make sure they stay glued to their headphones? Uh, my number one piece of advice for uh, entrepreneurs uh, is start as you mean to go on. Assume your business will be will be successful and uh, build it out for the long term, which means taking care of yourself and your family prim primarily, um, knowing what your special gifts are, your zone of genius, and, and also what you're absolutely terrible at. Um, we get caught up in trying to 
do everything ourselves, which is a guaranteed road to burnout. So my, yeah, my, my number one <laughs> rule of thumb is find good people who are great at what you're bad at and <laughs> bring them on. Um, even when you're small, it's better to grow slow and intentionally with a talented team of people you trust than to play catch up when your business suddenly booms. Wow. That was fantastic. That was uh, very insightful and lots of fodder to talk about here. But first of all, you mentioned your zone of genius. Do you think every entrepreneur has a zone of genius? Absolutely. We, we all have, we all have special gifts, things that we're particularly talented uh, at doing things that we bring to the table, things that make us feel like we're alive, like we're on fire. That's what we're born to do. That's why we're on this earth to do this particular thing. And as, uh, as, as a person, as an indigenous person, as a neurodivergent person, I definitely feel that um, we should be, you know, investing in our gifts and sharing those gifts with the world and, and letting the world benefit from, from that. And, uh, and we're all, we're all great at something that's different. Um, and our gifts complement each other. Um, so it's definitely, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to find, find those things that feel like they're not even work, that you're just meant to do it. You're, you know, you're in a flow, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and to offload the things that you're struggling with, with other people, when that's their zone of flow, that's their zone of genius. Um, and just to watch all the magic that happens when, when people are doing the things that they love and that they're wonderful at, uh, together. You are a fountain of inspiration. Offload the things you're struggling with. I mean, we all know that, but uh, the the way you sum them up is 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 is, is very impactful. And it's a hard one lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you learned it then. Um, well, I, so I started Bloom and Brilliance uh, in June of 2013. I was working at an e-commerce shop. Um, I mean, I I love design forever. Um, it was my second, uh, you know, adult job um, in in my field, and I just I liked the work that I was doing, but it wasn't it wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't you know the clients weren't exactly who I wanted to be working with, and and I had my own side clients that I'd always been working with at the time, and and every time I would you know get off work and then have a meeting with with one of my own clients or you know, hop on my computer at home and start working on my own work, I would just be so, um, like, I was just so excited, you know, to start all over again and to do this work. And I realized I needed to go out and do, do this on my own. And so, of course, when you're starting small and you're starting on your own, you don't necessarily, you know, you're kind of just testing the waters. And um, I started doing absolutely everything on my own, even the stuff that I'm terrible at, which is like things like project management and financial stuff is not my jam. Um, but you know, you're building those skills and, and eventually, uh, you know, the business just exploded and things that I was able to keep up with, um, at a slower pace were all of a sudden super overwhelming um, and, and I, I had known, I had known that before, you know, like when I was about year five, year six, I was like, you know, if I was going to do it all over again, I'd start with a team. And so this opportunity came, um, in June, 2020, where all of a sudden my business just exploded and we had so many potential clients and it was still just me. And I realized here's my opportunity to do things right. And so I hired more people than I technically needed 
but I broke up, uh, you know, all the different little pieces of, of what I was doing. And, and I had this really flexible, awesome, uh, talented team to take on the things, um, you know, as we were kind of building this agency, you know, like building the plane as we're flying it basically. And <laughs> I, I still burnt out. It was a lot of work, but I can't imagine I wouldn't have made it if, if I didn't have a team. Um, and so, you know, even, even though I did burn out eventually because I had such a fantastic team behind me, they were able to, you know, keep, keep the plane flying while I recovered a little bit. And then I was able to step back into, into my business. Um, and things are amazing now. Um, so yeah, build, build a solid team first, no matter how small you are. How big is the team now at Bloom and Brilliant? Uh, so we have, uh, around 13 people. Um, and that's grown over the past two years. Uh, it's been uh, a pretty, um, it's been a pretty wild ride. Um, I never, I never thought I would, uh, I never thought I would have a full agency, but it's, it's become about um, the work that we're doing and the clients that we're working with are so incredible and their work is so crucial. Um, you know, they're addressing really, uh, really urgent issues uh, in social justice. And, and it just, you know, when I, when I realized the, the amount of work that there is to do, the amount of support that, that our, our entrepreneurs and our organizations need to do their work and to have that impact on the world, I started looking at Bloom and Brilliance more from a perspective of, of stewardship, um, and that ripple effect, as opposed to just my own, my own gig to support my own family, you know, and to do the work that I loved, I really started thinking about it um, generationally, you know, how, how the work that we're doing now helps build out this positive impact across the world on individual scales, on the global scale, you know. Um, and so it was just really, really important to have something really vibrant and stable and resilient um, and, and with diverse, diverse people, um, as well to represent, uh, you know, the, the group of people that we're working with. Can you give me an example of some of the work you're doing now that you're, you know, proud of that you're, you're in the zone with? Oh, absolutely. So some of our, um, most recent projects, um, Highwire Collective, who, uh, is an, uh, consulting agency that works with, uh, radical entrepreneurs, <clears throat> which is a wonderful phrase. I, I love it. Um, so we did their branding uh, and website uh, earlier last year. Uh, we've also been working with C.V. Uh, Harquail, who is a feminist uh, entrepreneur uh, and academic uh, based in the United States. Um, Highwire Collective is led by P.K. Much, who is a feminist entrepreneur, a leading feminist entrepreneur in Canada. Um, we've also been working with uh, Own, who is um, a Lakota, Dakota um, organization uh, focused on revitalizing indigenous languages. Uh, their, uh, their branding and website, they're not quite done yet, but we're super excited to, to launch. It's, it's coming along beautifully. Um, we've also worked with Tasha Spillett, who is um, an indigenous and uh, black uh, uh, academic um, and poet writer. Uh, she's amazing. She's ha she has these awesome this awesome graphic novel series, um, and just a master uh, a master with words. Um, and um, I mean, there's there's so many, but I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we're just 
we're really excited and inspired by the work that our clients are doing. And they're all indigenous and intersectional feminist entrepreneurs, organizations, um, and community leaders who are, you know, doing their part to create radical change in the world. Cool. Number one, tell me what Radical Entrepreneurs is. And number two, tell me how you get such cool clients. <laughs> so, um, radical entrepreneur, it's not, I mean, it's not a, it's not a term that I coined, but, uh, the spirit is, um, you know, a, a decolonized anti-capitalist, uh, look, uh, at doing business. So completely deconstructing everything that we've taught about what it means to be successful in business, what, what, it, what we need to do, what it takes, um, how we need to uh, proceed, you know, the processes, the approaches, what we need to sacrifice, um, taking all of that stuff and just saying, screw it. And how can we do this better? Um, it's, it's really turning it all on its head and, um, and looking at the harm that those systems perpetuate, um, these fallacies, you know, uh, there's, yeah, these fallacies that this, this capitalist mindset creates, um, and, and looking beyond that to, towards creating, you know, radical, sustainable, resilient, um, and, um, and, and beneficial systems of business that address, uh, fundamental issues of inequality, racism, um, uh, poverty, uh, you know, ableism, just everything, everything that's, that capitalism basically, you know, crucifies and destroys we don't have to do business that way we can do better and we need to deconstruct the lies that we've uh, been taught um, and and these very these very shallow uh, and narrow-minded systems that that are being taught in universities that are being taught in business courses um, and you know the, these values that we just soak up by nature of living in the world that we live in and doing things a different way and question number two, how do you get such cool clients? <laughs> um, the business is built on relationships. Um, you know, we're, we're very proud of the work that we do. We love the work that we do and that passion comes through. We love the people that we work with and we always, uh, you know, try to do right by them. Um, we have built this business pretty much entirely by word of mouth for the first several years. Um, just recently we started doing a little bit more, um, you know, advertising and things like that on social media, buying a couple of ad placements, but mostly it's been about, it's been through word of mouth and, and referral. Um, when you have such a strong values based, um, platform for a business, it's very easy for people to connect and to get on board and to, and to, to build that relationship right from the get go. And that's part of them. That's part of our branding theory as well that we bring to our clients is, you know, when you have the right brand, when you're doing the right work for the right people, for the right reasons, things will come to you. You don't have to bust, um, you know, you don't have to break yourself down to, to get ahead when you're, when you're on the right path. Um, so that's part of, you know, that's part of what we believe in, and we're a little bit of our own success story in that, in that respect. And do radical entrepreneurs pay their bills on time? Absolutely. They do. <laughs> yes. Um, it's really great because, um, because radical entrepreneurs, indigenous entrepreneurs, uh, feminist, intersectional feminist entrepreneurs, they value the work, they value the people, they value, uh, business. And I have had like, I mean, 
I know I know what clients can be like. I've I've worked I worked several years in other in an advertising a top advertising agency and an e-commerce shop, and I I know extremely extremely wealthy you know regular I guess entrepreneurs who will make you beg to get paid um, after you've done the work and after you've done you know after you've worked the weekend and you've you've done everything that they needed urgent urgent timelines. And uh, our clients are not like that at all. They're so compassionate. They believe in a work-life balance. They respect us and the work that we're doing. They value it. Uh, they absolutely pay on time. They respect boundaries. Um, you know, and they're happy. They're happy to pay for the work that's being done and for the quality of the work that's being done. Um, our clients are phenomenal, and I, I am so. We're so lucky to have. Uh, to be working with the people that we work with. I don't think I've ever heard an entrepreneur who was more in her zone <laughs> that being <laughs> the people you want and the benefit of it is that they understand the rules of the system and they don't push you the way uh, certain other unnamed clients. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and honestly that's part of that's part of indigenous inter- intersectional feminist principles as well as there's a lot of talk about boundaries, there's talk talk about transparency. Um, you know, it's about mutual respect, it's about understanding, you know, having a holistic understanding uh and view of people. Um and so taking those things into account and and treating people as whole people and not just uh pixel pushers or people that you can, you know, well, speak to their manager and they'll do what I want. Or, you know, there's a, there's a real, there's a real, um, there's a real trust and a real, a real understanding, a real appreciation for, for each other's humanity. Um, and, and that's absolutely, you know, I, I'm an indigenous feminist. Um, and, and I, I always, I always have been a feminist, you know, even, even if I didn't know the word necessarily. Um, and, and that's absolutely why I've always wanted to work with other people who shared those values because I can't do my best work if I'm feeling pressured or feeling undervalued or underappreciated um, or disrespected. And I absolutely can't do my best work if I'm run ragged all the time. So it's it's a very it's a very simple like when you think about it and you understand the um the values behind an indigenous and intersectional feminist worldview, it makes sense that our clients are this wonderful. It's, 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 it's brilliant. It's, 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 it's really <laughs> it is. <laughs> created platform. Um, and uh, how do we, how do we take it national is my question. Decolonization. Decolonization is the key. Um, there are so many, I mean, I think I know what it means, but I don't think I know what it means for sure. And I mean, it, there's a lot, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a lot to it. Yeah. We're not going to get in, in very deep during this, uh, during this podcast, but, um, for example, for example, um, and there, there are so many people that are doing amazing work in this field. Um, decolonization is something that, that is impacts every aspect of our lives. Um, whether or not you are pro-capitalist, pro-colonization, or pro-indigenization, uh, you know, no matter what your religious, spiritual, political, whatever beliefs, decolonization is beneficial to everyone and everything. It's about dismantling oppressive systems 
um, and culture and values that we have that impact every aspect of our lives. Um, for our business, a lot of the, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, well, for example, the decolonization of time as a concept is probably one that, that throws most people for a loop in the beginning. And what we believe is that our time is ours. So we're a fully remote agency. We don't have an office that we come to. And our, uh, our team is strongly encouraged to schedule their work around their life instead of vice versa. We have a maximum 30-hour work week because 40 hours of work is just too much to get the rest of life done. Um, we have, uh, you know, core office hours, nobody works weekends. We have a three, we have a three day weekend, um, you know, again, in order to give time back to our clients and, and to our team, um, we, um, we don't answer emails at night. We don't do phone calls or meetings at night. You know, those things are, that's sacred time that belongs to, to people, to themselves and not to the business. And that's a very radical view um, that not very many businesses have. And businesses are scared to implement strategies like that or processes like that because they are so scared of, uh, you know, their employees like screwing around and not doing their work. And we just we don't believe that, you know, people do people want to work. People want to be productive. People want to do work that's meaningful um, and they need to be paid well to do that. So that's the other piece is that we pay a thriving wage. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, people are allowed, people have the freedom to schedule uh, their work for when they want to do it, when they need to do it, when they are uh, in the best position, whether they're a night owl or uh, early morning kind of person, that's, that's when they can get their work done. Um, and that's totally, you know, that's, that's what we want people to do. Um, and so that's something that gives, gives people back. That's a decolonized concept of, of, uh, time ownership. And again, I didn't come up with this, this concept, um, feel free to Google everyone Google. <laughs> um, and there's, there's so many people doing amazing work. Uh, Future Ancestors is, is, uh, is an organization that I, that is so inspiring. Um, uh, they're a Canadian, uh, indigenous and uh, very diverse team of people doing awesome, awesome work. Um, so I would definitely start there, uh, if you want to know more, but it's just, yeah, it's about, it's about looking at, you know, taking a hard look at what we've learned, what's been indoctrinated into us, um, as people and, and just looking for ways that we can return to a more holistic, um, and, and yes, obviously indigenous ways of, of doing things. Um, and so it's, it's part of the whole process of decolonization and indigenization, uh, and indigenous uh, resurgence. Um, and it's, I think it's an important part of, uh, reconciliation work as well. Thank you for that very inspirational take on decolonization. I didn't expect it to be quite so liberating. Um, and uh, yeah, sign, sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely. Small changes start small. It's, it's easy. It's easy once you get started. Um, and the more, and people, honestly, people are, are so desperate to have some time and some freedom and some sovereignty, some independence uh, and ownership back of their own lives and their own time. And, and cap the, our capitalist way of doing things means that work consumes everything. And that's, it's, it's torture. 
like we're not meant to work like this. Um, and so any little ways that you can start implementing, um, you know, decolonized processes or humane, sustainable processes into your work, whether that's having an autoresponder for your email so that you're not, you know, so that you're not tempted to answer emails at 11 o'clock at night, you know, like just do those small little things and eventually it'll build up into a much bigger um, piece that's, that's really transformative and, and has huge, huge health impact and is inspiring. And it gives permission to other people to do the same as well. I think there's a book in this. Have you ever considered that? <laughs> um, I'm probably not going to write it, but there are definitely books being written and, and books that have been written. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a journey. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's an individual journey. It's a business journey. It's a cultural journey. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of words could be written about this for sure. Let's get away from the 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 the, the changing paradigms for a second. Just talk about Janelle. So, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about you. What was uh, what 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 was your career and what were your aspirations prior to founding Bloom and Brilliance? Um, so I've always been creative. I was always kind of a crafty, artistic kind of kid um, drawing, you know, doodling <laughs> in class all the time. Um, my aunt started her own business when I was a teenager, I think about 13. And, uh, she asked me to design the logo for her company and, and I did, and it was, it was super fun, but the best part, you know, besides, besides, you know, doing the design was just seeing how my aunt, um, kind of, this, this transformation of, you know, of this woman that I knew who was very, you know, like beautiful and an amazing mother and an amazing wife. And all of a sudden she had found this piece of herself that she was really passionate about and learning to do different things and opening her own shop and, and just seeing that whole other side, this, 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 you know, this, this transformation via feminist or, you know, female entrepreneurship. And it was so, it, it really left a lasting impression on me. And, and that's, that's, uh, I was hooked after that. And so my business has always been from a, you know, a feminist perspective, you know, helping women uh, create their independence to tap into their gifts, to tap into their resources, um, and to help them build, build something and invest in themselves. Um, I also wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> and so I, I went to school first to be a teacher. I thought that was the safer route. Um, and I, I dropped out of university, um, and then I went back to college, uh, for web design and got a diploma and, uh, I was hired at a top agency right out of college. And that was just, it was, it was too intimidating of an experience and I wasn't ready to take, um, to take advantage of it, uh, the way that I, the way that I could have. Um, so it, it wasn't quite the right fit. And I thought about going back to school to be a teacher again. Um, and so I went back to university a second time and, uh, two months before I got my BA, I dropped out again because I was just constantly doing design work when I was in class, instead of doing my homework and writing essays, I was like writing copy for my own website or like designing logos for clients and, and, um, yeah, doing a bunch of client work. And, and I was like, Janelle, like, why, like, why are you doing this when you're obviously passionate about design? Like, why do you keep saying no to design when this is obviously what you're meant to do? Um, so yeah, so I dropped out of university again. 
um, and just, uh, yeah, just went after design and never, never looked back, I guess. Yeah. And you worked in, uh, like for an agency for a while. Was that, was that an important part of sort of learning how business works for you? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's dynamic that says, do I go out and be an entrepreneur right out of the gate or do I go and get a salary and learn a lot of stuff on other people's time? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, I learned a lot of what I didn't want my business to look like. Um, it just wasn't the right, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I've always been, (laughs) I've always been my own boss. So it was, it's always been hard for me to work for other people. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I knew I was going to get to the point where I worked on my own full time, but I wasn't quite, quite ready to do that yet. And there were like, there were great people that I worked with, uh, but it just, it wasn't the, it just wasn't the right fit. They weren't my clients. The passion wasn't there. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I learned what I needed to learn and, uh, and then took a chance on myself. Tell us the type of work that you most like to do. I mean, is it is it just pure design? Is it is it incorporating design into business? I I mean, I love I love design in in general, like uh, you know, architecture and architecture, interior design, book design, uh, art, like anything anything that's design or art related. I really really love. Uh, but branding and website design just has. Um, it's just so, it's just such a wonderful experience to, to, you know, sit down with a client and, and get to know them and their hopes and their dreams and what they're struggling with and, and what their values are. And to just, and this is, you know, this is part of my gift, you know, is that, is that I, I can sit down and talk to someone and, and, you know, and, and look at them and I, and I can see, I can see what their brand should be. You know, it starts taking shape in my head almost instantly. I can feel, I can feel things from people. And so um, it's just, it's a gift that, that I have to, that I have to use. Um, and the process is, <laughs> very, it's a little bit hard to explain. It's hard to quantify. Uh, other creative people will definitely, um, definitely understand, uh, understand that. Um, but it's just so amazing to, yeah, to, to take those really intangible, what seem like intangible feelings and ideas and thoughts and, and put something together that's such a crucial piece and that helps, helps people build up their own dreams and have their own impact. Um, and then website design is, is another different kind of, um, it's another different kind of design where it's, you know, like you don't want to reinvent the wheel too much necessarily. People need to use the web, you know, and they're, and they're usually looking for things in a very specific way, in a very patterned way. And so it's about making the experience, you know, beautiful and easy um, and not getting in the way too much. And so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to find a balance of being creative um, and making an impact without making things difficult for clients that are, or for visitors that are navigating their your clients' websites, so you know it's it's again it's a it's a, it's a balance. It's a it's like walking a uh, <laughs> walking a very fine line between too artistic and too boring. Um, 
and it's just yeah it's just so awesome to be uh to do to do this work for all of those listeners who have struggled to provide branding or communications services to clients how do you get your clients to open up and you know talk about who they are what they're trying to do what their aspirations are what their what, what, what their obstacles are you, you obviously it, it sounds like you get closer to your clients than than, than than some consultants might do i remember talking to a company i was doing some writing for and i asked them you know is your company sort of more this or is it sort of more this and the response i got was depends on the day (laughs) (laughs) i'm i like i am deeply passionate about the people that i work with and the work that they're doing and i cannot be any other way um and so that is how we do our work you know our entire team we're very we're very involved we're very invested in in our clients and in the work that they're doing we love people we um you know we're all (laughs) we're all kind of empaths on some level um and it's uh and so that's that's a core part of how we do things and it's and it's part of the energy energy that we put out so we attract people who who value that as well. Um, people who, um, you know, there are plenty of people, you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, tell someone like your life story in order to get a brand done. And, and obviously it depends on the nature of your business um, and, uh, and your, you know, the world that you're, that you're in. Um, but the way that we do things is by getting up close and personal. And so we How do you break the ice? <laughs> uh so we're pretty we're pretty upfront about it, but people have already been to our website or they've been on our social media and then they're on our website. And so they 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 can see our approach already. You know, our copy is very forthright, it's humorous, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's very passionate, it's very raw, it's very approachable. Um, you understand immediately what we're about when we're on our website through the photography, through uh, through the work that we do, through the words, you know, how we describe our process and our clients are attracted to that. And the other great thing is, is that the people that aren't attracted to that don't approach us. And that's great because they need to find people that work in their style. We're not for everybody. And, um, and that's, that's another reason why we're so, we're so upfront about what we do, what we believe in, who we want to work with just makes everything so much easier. Um, and we've been, we've been lucky to be, you know, to carve out this, this niche. Um, and, and that's something that I really believe in, but it's also part of, uh, again, our, our decolonized perspective and our indigenous, um, you know, anti-capitalist kind of viewers, like we don't need to be, uh, like Leo Burnett. We don't need to be an agency that's like, you know, like worldwide, like huge eating up, buying up other agencies. Like we don't want to grow forever. We just want to do, you know, a solid amount of work with a solid amount of people. Um, And so we don't need to, um, you know, we're allowed, we're, we're able to stay true to ourselves and our convictions and our values because we're not going after everybody. We're going after, you know, the, the people that are really our people. Um, And it's a really, symbiotic and a really simple approach that that works well you actually have a section on your website called client love 
Um, yes. That's a word we don't often hear in business. That's right. Um, and that's part of, that's part of, you know, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's using words like that. And that's, um, your brand voice. That's part of your, you know, that's part of your brand, uh, identity. Um, and it's, it's about using language that evokes, uh, you know, certain concepts, certain feelings, emotions, um, ideas, and that really connect, uh, on an emotional level. And so, and so we are, we are very passionate people. We're, we're very in-depth kind of people. And so that's not language that we would use for, um, for everyone in every, uh, you know, in every scenario, but in, in that specific scenario for us and for the clients that we work with, that's, that's what fits. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's beautiful. Helping use, you mentioned the photography and the language, having everything paint a picture, everything, develop a character, show off your empathy and, and attracting like absolutely Perfect. yeah another section on your website is called community care and this is mm-hmm. that you've invested a bunch of money uh in yourself in, in, in as, as a company so tell me about that so uh as part of our indigenous intersectional feminist business practices uh, we we reserve a certain uh portion of our profits to invest back in community clients uh, who wouldn't necessarily be able to afford our services otherwise. Um, so these are usually grassroots organizations or local uh, organizations that are doing really important work, um, supporting the values that we believe in as well. Uh, it's really important for us to give back to our community in that way that's part of our core values. Um, and we, yeah, we love being able to do that for them. Can you give me an example of some of the work you might have done or the sort of people you did it for? Uh, yeah, so we've done work for a number of local uh, women's, uh, women and children's shelters, uh, resource centers. Uh, most recently, we did a brand and website for uh, a murdered or missing Indigenous women, uh, girls and two-spirit people conference. Um, and that was very important to us, obvious for obvious reasons. Um, and uh, and also a um, a a community children's center uh, f- and family center. So creating resources, their mission is to create resources for uh, families, lower income families um, to have the resources to stay together, uh, parenting, um, you know, food, uh, a really beautiful play space and educational space. Uh, and we created the branding and, and website for them as well. Cool. I have this feeling that, cool things can happen if you take something like a a family center or a women's shelter and give it some professional branding and messaging services. Oh, absolutely. Um, The nonprofit space is incredibly competitive. Um, You know, they're, they're all kind of, uh, you know, fighting for dollars uh, the same amount of dollars, uh, you know, people, people donate only a certain amount. And so we have a lot of really worthy organizations that are all out there, uh, you know, trying to, to, um, increase donations and and get fundraise and get funds for the incredible work that they're doing. So having, having a polished presence, having a really clear, concise brand, having a, an easy to use website, it increases that, uh, you know, first of all, it, it shows that it's an established organization, 
which is extremely important when it comes to funding dollars. Um, and it increases that level of trust um, and, and also engagement. Uh, and so it's really important to have that really, uh, you know, a really professional, really well done brand and website done for those organizations. Yeah, and usually that's probably always in next year's budget for most nonprofits. So it's fabulous that you're able to give them a glimpse of that, uh, of that future. Yeah, absolutely. We love, we love part of why we love doing that is because we know, you know, funds are limited and, and we would love for more of their, more of their budget to go towards actually serving their communities as opposed to, um, you know, other, other areas that are still important, but, um, you know, we want to be able to maximize the dollars that they're using to do their community work. So in addition to being this radical entrepreneur, you're also a mom. Janelle. Tell yes. me about the challenges that come with this. And, and, and do we need to talk more about the balance of motherhood and entrepreneurship? We absolutely do. We need to talk more about motherhood and parenting in general. <laughs> um, parenting uh, is pretty much made to be absolutely miserable in this uh, colonial capitalist world. Uh, it, parents are not supported. The work of parenting is not valued. The work of raising children is not valued. Children aren't valued in this society. And so it is really heartbreaking and backbreaking uh labor to to be a parent and, and especially to be a mother in this world um with the pandemic we've seen women drop out of the workforce mothers drop out of the workforce uh to now we're back i think we're back at levels that haven't been seen since the 70s when women largely weren't in the workforce um because child care is not considered <laughs> considered a necessity, which is lud absolutely ludicrous. Um, and our kinship systems, our support systems, our villages, you know, the villages that are supposed to be helping us raise our children, they've been entirely eradicated and replaced by this very isolated ideal of, of the nuclear family. So, um, you know, it, working at all, being a working parent, being a working mother is, is hell. And it's supposed to be hell in this, in this world because there's nothing being put back into women, but being put put back into mothers, um, into families, into parents. So entrepreneurship can be a blessing or it can be a, a curse. <laughs> um, it's been a little bit of both, uh, you know, uh, as it always is. Um, <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> what's that? I was thinking the same thing. It's yeah. Both. I mean, so like I'm, I'm neurodivergent. Uh, you know, I have like a chronic, I have chronic pain issues. I have a severe mood disorder. So like my business was built to be flexible. My business had to be able to flex with my, <laughs> with my, with my physical, emotional, mental needs, um, and still allow me to be successful. So that, that I was set up very, very well to be a new parent. Um, my husband and I both work from home. We're both creative professionals and He's a hardcore feminist, uh, as, as am I. And he was the primary parent for uh, the first year, pretty much, um, of, our, of our son's life uh, while, I, while I worked. And, um, but it's, it's hard because even though the business is flexible, uh, you know, especially when you're on, on your own, and this is why, again, I suggest building up a team, is that 
can be really hard to maintain boundaries around our work, to shut off at the end of the day. And, you know, when shit hits the fan, like you're the one, you're the one who has to be there. You're the one who has to respond. There's no one else, you know, taking care of your business for you. So it can be, uh, it can be really hard. And especially if you're the only breadwinner, um, that's extra pressure. If your family's really relying on that income, as most are, um, it's, it's, uh, it's very high pressure. But if you're born to be an entrepreneur, there's nothing else. It's kind of like, it's kind of like parenting um, to me, you know, like there are people who, you know, like being a parent is more work than not being a parent, but is it worth it if you're born to be a parent? Absolutely. Like I love my son more than anything. I will do anything for him. He's my favorite person in the whole world. And it is so much work. (laughs) It is so exhausting. And I have a lot of flexibility and I have an incredibly supportive husband. Um, And it's the same thing with running my own business. Like it is insanely hard work and it has brought me to my knees, but it has also given me, you know, some of the best moments I've ever had in my life. And I'm so incredibly grateful for the work that I do and proud of the work that I do and the people that I get to work with. Um, and if you're not meant to be an entrepreneur, it will never make sense to make the sacrifices that entrepreneurs make, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, like if you're if you're a, a work to live type person, then absolutely, you know, you need to do that. Um, and so entrepreneurship, like I would I would say that it seems like maybe things are starting to shift a little bit. Maybe we're seeing a little bit more control being put back into you uh, you know, into the workforce and we can push a little bit more for flex time and for, um, support for parents and and things like that. But entrepreneurship, if you're able to be your own, you know, your own business order and have things set up and relatively stable before you become a parent, that's a pretty good place to be. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of just, you know, you kind of just need to listen to your heart and, 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 and do, do things that, that you know are right for you. And uh, don't, don't listen to what other people are like, don't bother, don't pay attention to the status quo, because the status quo sucks. Just do things that are, (laughs) do things that are right for you. And that, uh, and that will, you know, serve you best. I love the passion you bring to this. And and I really like, you know, you're comparing parenthood, and being an entrepreneur as sort of similar callings in a way. And I'm thinking both of them, both of those paths have incredible highs and incredible lows. But when you track one on top of the other, <laughs> you can get these super epiphanies and super troughs. Mm-hmm. How do you get through the super trough? Oh, um, you better have a support system or a well, a well of resiliency uh, that's built within you because, yeah, it's... Uh, it's there have definitely been uh been moments where i thought about just you know shutting shutting up shop closing everything down giving up on everything including my own life it's you know there's uh when you're dealing with multiple kind of health issues on top of entrepreneurship on top of parenting it can become uh overwhelming in the absolute worst way and this is part of why I believe that it's really important to give 
um, you know, to give time back to people, to give time back to families, to, to build back up our kinship systems, our supports, instead of, instead of continuing to, um, you know, grind ourselves into dust for this, for this, you know, isolated ideal um, that we have uh, of what our lives should look like, of what our households should look like, of what our work life should look like. Um, if I had been doing business the way other people think that I should be doing business, I wouldn't be here. Um, and, and so it's, it's incredibly important for, for me, for, you know, for other people who are, who are listening, who, that I talk to mentorship is a huge part of, of what I believe in. Um, and I am always, you know, like totally, totally committed to letting other people know that they need to take time for themselves. And one thing that I've, that I've learned over the past two years is that if your business can only operate, if you're drowning or if you're running yourself into the ground, that's not a business worth owning. That's not a business worth running. That business needs to die or it needs to change because you can't like, what, what is the point of having a business if you're not here to run it? Like that makes, it makes no sense. Or if you're, if you're, you know, if you're putting, if you're taking away from your family, if you're, if your husband or your partner, uh, if your child is suffering because you have to, you know, be at the beck and call of retail shops or your clients or whatever, like, what is the point? That's not a life. That's not a business worth running. That's that's such an empowering thought that if it's, if it's running you ragged, it's not a business. It's not a business worth owning. Yeah. And it's not a business that's actually working either. You know, like it can't, that's not sustainable. That's, that's, that's a very expensive and very torturous hobby. Um, and so, (laughs) so it, so, you know, from, from a holistic perspective, it makes, it makes absolute sense to prioritize your health and your family first. And from a business sense uh, perspective, it makes sense to do that too, because, um, you know, there are tons of businesses that start every year and then they fold because it's too much. This is about the long term. Running a business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, you know, go slow, build slow, be intentional, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, invest back in yourself, invest back into your life. And um, your business will succeed. You know, like there are plenty of opportunities out there. And, um, and they keep coming the longer that you're in business. So it's about playing a long game. I'm thinking that a few people listening to this podcast might want to come work for you. I think you sound like the best boss ever. <laughs> we welcome them to apply. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, we're always looking for um, you know black, brown, indigenous uh, women and and uh, gender diverse people to to apply if they're interested in copywriting or web development or design. Uh, we absolutely uh, we absolutely would love you to apply. Okay, and so that would be at bloomandbrilliance.com. That's yeah, right. Okay, super. Just one other thing before we wrap up, um, next month being November, and um, we're, we're celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month here on this podcast. Just wondering if you have any thoughts about the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship and sort of if there's any 
coping mechanism or hacks that you've devised mm-hmm. in order to 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 keep things sailing along um yeah like so so i um i have adhd and bipolar disorder um and i uh, also have chronic pain so you know all those things uh <laughs> take a take a pretty steep toll on on mental health on regular days um and so it's it's always been really important for uh as i said earlier for my business to be flexible um and to give me the space and the support that i needed to to be successful in the work that i do um and this again this is this is you know uh, a radical perspective as well um on on the value of people you know right you know the status quo says people are only valuable if they're productive and they need to be productive 100% of the time which is bullshit you can't it's impossible you can't be productive 100% of the time um and so but but i know that i couldn't have a traditional job because i couldn't show up every day and sit in a chair from 9 to 5 every day uh and do the work that they wanted me to do in that you know within those confines um but does that mean that i'm not a talented designer and that i can't do good work absolutely not um and yet if i was forced to work in that way i wouldn't be able to do the work that i didn't and i would be miserable and so, you know, it was really important to me to have, um, to have flexibility in, in the time that I, uh, you know, to be able to call the shots of when I get to create, to be able to create when I'm in a creative mood instead of forcing myself, you know, to show up and, and create things on demand. Um, I also, I get burnt out or tired very easily, um, you know, through a lot of phone calls and, and meetings and things like that. So, I use uh, like forms and questionnaires to help gather a lot of the information that we need to do our our job. Uh, and it also works really well within our business system. So there were a lot of things that I had adapted for myself that ended up working really, really well when we when we grew into an agency. Um, and so there's there's this freedom, um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur to to, you know, to work with yourself and be honest about what your shortcomings are, find systems or people to help you take, take on those parts. Like there's no point in making yourself miserable doing things that you're bad at. It just, there's no point. Don't do it to yourself. Uh, there are people who love to do the things that you hate doing and they're really good at it. So, um, you know, find it's, it's absolutely better to grow very slowly and to keep some of the the money that you're making um, and invest it into a few key people or even just one key person um, while you're while you're starting out. Uh, bookkeeping is a, is a very popular <laughs> is a very popular first uh, first hire for expanding uh, businesses. Um, and uh, yeah, just like be kind to yourself, be human to yourself. Um, and, and work with, work with what you've got and what you haven't got. And, um, and it doesn't make you any, any less of a person if you can't run the whole show by yourself. And that's an insane pressure that most entrepreneurs have. Um, you know, they feel like if they can't be, uh, an accountant and a tax, uh, genius and a lawyer and a marketing specialist and a website builder and, and also, uh, do the work that they're actually born to do, that that means they're a failure. And that's, that's just, 
not true at all. Um, so yeah, mental health, you absolutely need to take care of your mental health and you can definitely use, uh, you know, the opportunity of building your own business to accommodate what you need, um, to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Thank you. That was a remarkable, uh, essay in terms of how to build a business, uh, that, that works for you and how to add those little hacks and systems and processes that, that make it possible for you to, uh, to not pay attention sometimes when other things matter more. That's thank great. you so much for that. Um, thank you for the discussion of decolonization. <laughs> I love the idea of making business more human. And you've made an incredible point about how a business that's, that, that's actually run for the benefit of its, of its, of, of, of the people there, um, will be a better business and will attract more clients. So it's a, it's a fascinating recipe, uh, which we will look more at down the road. Awesome. Janelle, one last question for you. One more brilliant tip for <laughs> entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs that we haven't discussed before. Something to let them, that they could take away and put, put into effect in their business right now. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, and this is, you know, kind of in the same vein of what we've been talking about, but a lot of business advice is based on this idea of like one big life changing opportunity, like a make or break. And after almost 20 years of being an entrepreneur, I can say that there is no one opportunity. There are dozens, uh, if not hundreds of opportunities all along the way that can impact your business. Um, and so there's no need, there's no need to say yes to everything. Not everything is the right fit. And sometimes it's the right opportunity, but it's the wrong time. And so that means it's not the right opportunity. And there's so much pressure to say yes to everything. And I just really want entrepreneurs to understand like fully deeply, like within their, <laughs> the depths of their soul, understand that you are allowed to say no you will be okay. Your business will be okay. People will keep coming to you with more opportunities. As long as you're doing good work, doing it in a good way, building relationships, there will always be another opportunity coming your way. And so, you know, learn, learn to be okay with saying no to opportunities that are not the right time, the right fit for you. Okay, this is Rick Spence, sidekick to Janelle Desrosiers, the founder and creative director of Bloom and Brilliance. Thank you for schooling us all today. Uh, it's <laughs> been a fascinating conversation. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to spend time with someone who's right in her zone of, 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 of genius, her zone of brilliance. So, so thank you for all that. Continued good luck, and we will check in with you again. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you, Janelle. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>